All right, we are back. The Supreme Court this week is hearing arguments as regards the battle between state and federal authorities over medical cannabis. Joining us now in the program to talk about this development and what uh, what's likely to come about in, when the decision eventually um, comes down some months from now is Dr. Philip Denny. Dr. Denny has been a practitioner locally for many years and is currently involved in supplying medical cannabis. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Dr. Denny. Thank you, Doug. Uh, it's nice to be here. How about you clarify that, uh, that intro I just made for you? Uh, well, first of all, I don't supply medical cannabis. I do uh, medical recommendations to see if patients qualify to use it uh, under California law. Okay, I want to I be precise on that because it is the legalities on that are rather exacting. I, I have to be very careful about any implication about supply. All right. Well, I, I stand corrected. Uh, you make it possible for people who need this to go out and obtain it. Yes. Well, it, it, the service that I provide, Doug, is I do uh, a medical evaluation uh, to determine basically the answer to a single question, uh, and that is, does the patient or does the patient not have a condition that is likely to benefit uh, from the use of cannabis as medicine? Uh, if the answer to that is yes, um, based on my evaluation, then I would issue them uh, a written document uh, which um, says that they have certain rights under California law, uh, primarily the right to obtain, uh, possess, uh, and cultivate cannabis for their own personal use. Well, uh, Dr. Denny, uh, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments uh, this week as regards medical marijuana, and I think that the issue is a kind of a rather uh, narrow legal one as to how this is going down. Can you explain that? Well, uh, as you know, Doug, uh, the federal government has opposed uh, California's uh, medical marijuana law, which was passed by the voters in 1996. Uh, they have opposed it uh, uh, on a number of grounds. Uh, the primary ground is that uh, the federal government has the right to enforce uh, the Controlled Substances Act uh, pursuant to uh, the Commerce Clause of the Constitution. Uh, the argument before the Supreme Court uh, is whether or not uh, the federal government has the right to regulate uh, the practice of medicine in the individual states. Um, uh, this has been an area of contention uh, that has uh, surfaced, uh, in, uh, particularly in regards to this issue. Uh, and, and so the question is, is whether or not uh, Californians uh, have the right to decide how medicine is practiced in their state. Um, and this is the argument. Uh, so uh, Angel McClary Rach and Diane Monson uh, were two California medical marijuana patients um, who asked the federal district court uh, to issue an injunction against the uh, federal government uh, to prevent the federal government from arresting them and seizing their medicine. Uh, the district court denied that uh, request. Uh, this was appealed to the U.S. Ninth Circuit, uh, which upheld the request and reversed the district court uh, and, in fact, an injunction was issued uh, favoring uh, Angel Rach and Diane Monson. So, so both these women are able to, to receive marijuana under this, the, or cannabis under this injunction? Correct. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as such, they're one of the few uh, people uh, in the, the world, actually, uh, who have uh, the right to use cannabis as medicine. Um, and uh, in this case, uh, they have the right both under the state law and with this injunction have the right under uh, federal law. Um, as, as you know, that there are very limited uh, uh, numbers of patients who receive cannabis under a current federal uh, program, uh, but this is the first time that this 
protection has been extended uh, uh, to somebody who didn't participate in that. Now, now my understanding here is that uh, we, we mentioned the Commerce Clause that's in the Constitution, which is why we have a Commerce Department, that if there's something going on in the way of commerce between the states, the federal government feels it then has a, uh, a vested interest in regulation. Yes, I, I, I think that, that paraphrases it fairly accurately. Um, uh, unfortunately, you know, those of us who are, are on the side of medicinal cannabis think that this is uh, an un. Uh, and an illegal use of government power. Um, and as the Ninth Circuit pointed out, uh, that the use of the Commerce Clause, clause uh, to uh, enforce the Controlled Substances Act uh, was unconstitutional uh, as long as the California patients met certain requirements. Uh, in other words, money cannot change hands. Um, the materials used to produce the cannabis have to uh, originate uh, wholly intrastate um, uh, there is no uh, trafficking, um, and uh, as long as those uh, uh, criteria are met, the uh, Ninth Circuit said that uh, this uh, behavior is protected. Um, and again, uh, the federal government has appealed that, and that's the issue before the court now. There's a very funny, I guess, that I guess several states are joining in. I noticed the in the article that was in the Sacramento Bee by uh, Claire Cooper, excellent article I'd refer anybody to on this, uh, they note that Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi have, have filed these Friends of the Court argument uh, briefs, noting that uh, the use of medical marijuana is neither interstate nor commerce. Yeah. And they have a very funny old saw they quoted saying that to say that it is is like saying uh, that old line, um, if we had some ham, we could fix some ham and eggs, if we had some eggs. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. I, I thought so, too. Uh, what I think is most curious about this, Doug, is it points out um, the that this issue crosses uh, ideologic lines. Um, and, of course, the interest of the states of uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana is, is certainly not uh, to promote the use of uh, cannabis. Um, their issues are much more fundamental uh, and have to do purely with the state's rights issue. Um, uh, as you probably note, these are southern states, um, and this has been an issue that has festered, I would argue, since the Civil War. Right. Um, and uh, so the, these states see this as a very, very important uh, precedent uh, because this is going to give uh, you know, a, a very large amount of power uh, to the federal government uh, that uh, the courts, or at least these states argued in their amicus brief that uh, is, is unwise to give the uh, federal government this much power. Our, our federalist uh, system uh, demands that uh, the states retain the rights um, to determine uh, the conditions under which their citizens live. Yeah. Um, and so th this, this is a big issue for lots of people. Uh, and as I say, I think what makes it interesting is it really does transcend uh, the whole issue of uh, cannabis as medicine. Uh, this just happens to be the point uh, on which it will be argued. Right. Uh, but, but really, uh, the argument uh, is very fundamental uh, right. as to right. how our federal republic is going to work. And the fact is, is that, uh, you know, uh, heretofore, for our 200-year history, uh, it's been very clear that the federal government does not regulate um, uh, various aspects of the lives of citizens in the individual states. The, exa the example is given in this article. If you're growing geraniums in your window box, there's no sale or purchase. Uh, well, how can the federal government be involved? Well, see, the federal government, if you, if you extend that argument, the federal government says that you, you're growing geraniums in your window box affects the uh, commerce in geraniums as a whole, uh, <laughs> and that because you grow them in your window box, you're not going to buy them uh, on the market, 
and therefore it's going to affect uh, the the commerce in geraniums. Um, I think that logic is a bit specious in, 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 in to, to my way of thinking. Um, it, it just is, uh, you know, it's actually kind of ridiculous, I think. Um, but again, that's the argument that's made, uh, is that the, uh, the use of cannabis uh, by these uh, individual patients uh, will have an effect on the overall illegal drug market. Uh, and it's curious, the logic of that, because the effect is going to be that they're not going to buy cannabis on the overall uh, illegal drug market, and therefore will diminish the drug market. Uh, and yet the government is arguing that that's not what we want to do. Um, the government is arguing that, uh, uh, I, you know, I would take that uh, uh, that we want to support the drug market uh, for, for patients uh, who use cannabis. Uh, it really doesn't make much sense. You know, it really, we're leaving the world of, 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 of medicine and, and, and entering the strange legal world that I think you and I are not necessarily uh, at home with, because I'm reading this article in the B, and it's noting... Um, that nobody's really sure where this is going to go. In 1995, the current Supreme Court struck down a federal law against carrying a gun in a school zone. Their argument was that it wasn't economic activity and it didn't substantially affect interstate commerce. Well, there you go. But in 2000, the court struck down a federal law against domestic violence, saying Congress couldn't, quote, aggregate the effects of violence against women to assert a national economic impact. So it is going to come down to, like, you know, what, what does the effect this pot have on commerce? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think if you, uh, uh, you know, th- th- this is a complicated argument because it's it's clear uh, that the illicit uh, market for cannabis is huge. Um, you know, my my estimates, very crude estimates, is that uh, somewhere between eight and ten thousand pounds of cannabis gets consumed in California every day. Uh, wow! So, so this is a huge market, and I and I think for many states, uh, if you were able to measure uh, the uh, economic uh, impact of uh, cannabis. Uh, it would be the largest cash crop in many states. Um, you know, one could argue uh, that it's pretty close to the top in California. I think it's only exceeded by uh, dairy and uh, perhaps alfalfa, maybe lumber. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, it's it's, it's a very large uh, uh, marketplace. Um, I, I think the the what what has thrown uh, this uh, into some turmoil is that now the situation has changed because we now have the California has now created a different class of patients or a different different class of people, uh, and those are those who use cannabis legally, and now they have to be distinguished. I would argue from those who use it illegally, as the California Supreme Court pointed out, uh, Proposition two two fifteen. Uh, made lawful what was previously unlawful, uh, and I think that this is really the issue because now that the uh, that the federal government, I would argue, has to recognize um, that there are two classes of people who use cannabis: those who use it lawfully and those who use it uh, unlawfully. Uh, and that, of course, is the problem that the federal government is uh, having with this: is they don't recognize any lawful use at all. Uh, and in fact, have been strongly critical of the uh, voters of California for passing this law. Um, and they've they've made statements that this is a hoax and a massive fraud and uh, all of that sort of thing, as if to um, say that the voters of California aren't smart enough to read a ballot. I mean, I, I think just that in and of itself is very chilling. Yeah. Um, you know, this is Big Brother uh, telling us how to think. Uh, and again, this is the kind of thing that really upsets uh, states like Mississippi and Alabama, um, who I would argue are still smarting uh, from this whole uh, civil rights thing. Yeah. Um, 
and it's interesting now, you know, politics makes strange bedfellows, because I would argue that medical marijuana proponents are now in the same place as Orville Faubus and some of those folks. <laughs> the anti-civil rights governors. Yes, uh, crying for yeah. states' rights. Right. right. Um, uh, so uh, it's, it's very interesting. I, I think Politics the, does create strange bedfellows, doesn't it? It, it really does, and, and uh, I think this is a prime example of that. You know, uh, Dr. Denny, I would like you to come back in the future because this issue of cannabinoids I want to discuss again with um, Dr. Howard McKinney. Now, b- b- I had both of you gentlemen on when I was sitting in over at Insight over at KXJZ. We had a very interesting talk at that time. But this greater issue, I want to return to at some point. We don't have time for it today. But, but cannabinoids and how important they're going to be to medicine. I mean, I find this truly fascinating and how big they're going to be. Would you would you agree that that, that that a lot of this research, which is now going to, which is promising to bear such unbelievable fruit, was delayed by the federal government policy that you couldn't do research on marijuana unless you were trying to prove it was harmful? No, no question about it. In my mind, I, I think that the legitimate uh, uh, research into this subject uh, has been uh, thwarted uh, for for sixty years. I mean, you know, my opinion about this uh, is is very clear cut. I think the government has lied to us uh, about this whole issue for sixty years. And the, the results of that lie have been uh, that our researchers have been hamstrung in researching this. Uh, and it turns out that this is going, uh, as you've suggested, is going to be uh, very important um, in the future of medicine. Uh, how this is going to come out is not clear, um, uh, but it is clear uh, that cannabis-based medications are going to uh, have a widespread utility. Um, and uh, we've we've just we're just seeing the beginning of this now. What's interesting to me is the fruits of uh, of this. Uh, the government's opposition has been uh, that the majority of the research now uh, that's been uh, gone forward is to is to to uh, use drugs that block uh, the body's natural cannabinoid system. Um, there's going to be a drug come out uh, called Rebombinant that uh, is going to be marketed as a weight loss drug. Uh, with the idea being that if, if using cannabis uh, increases your appetite, then blocking the receptors will take the appetite away. Uh, and their preliminary data suggests that that's true. Um, however, I think that uh, we don't really know enough uh, about this system other than it is so in- intrinsically important to many of our functions. I, I'm a little concerned uh, that much of this research into the blocking of the cannabinoid system has been rushed. Um, and I'm concerned that once this is widely marketed, that we're going to see a number of problems with this drug. Right. Uh, the preliminary data suggests that 13% of the patients uh, had uh, significant uh, nausea and diarrhea. Uh, uh, and this was kind of glossed over uh, in their summary, but um, you know, I think when uh, 13 out of every 100 people who use something have significant GI side effects, that uh, that's... Uh, uh, that's a potential problem. Yeah. Uh, and we really don't know uh, exactly uh, how blocking this system is going to affect other very primitive things. But it's such, it's such a fascinating basic science issue that I think we, I'm just dying to get back to it. So I, I propose that uh, we have a reunion of sorts of, 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 of Dr. McKinney, uh, you, yourself, and me to, to go over this in the weeks to come. I, I would love to do that, Doug. Uh, and uh, I think that... Uh, uh, this is a very timely uh, topic, uh, and I would be very pleased uh, to discuss it with you further. Well, let's come back. Let's come back and do that. I, I just would close uh, by noting that when I read uh, Claire Cooper's article in the B, there's still 
quoting the federal government and saying that, that uh, cannabis, quote, has no accepted medicinal use, unquote. To my mind, that's, uh, that's police uh, authorities practicing medicine without a license. Well, on top of the fact it's a bald-faced lie. I mean, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's just, you just can't get around that. I mean, how you can say that uh, with a straight face in 2004 is beyond me. Yeah. Um, you know, any cursory look uh, at the literature uh, would, would show that statement to be false. Um, and, and, you know, again, it just shows uh, what I consider the government's arrogance uh, in all of this, um, that uh, Big Brother knows better than the rest of us. Um, and they prove it to us by, by uh, twisting the research uh, to their own ends. I mean, this is, this is very chilling uh, in a free society, uh, to my point of view, um, and uh, I'm very anxious to see it end. Well, Dr. Phil Denning, we appreciate your coming, your coming for the first time to talk to us, and we expect that you will do so again. This is a very, uh, very fertile field for medical uh, uh, breakthroughs, and we hope we'll discuss that and soon. And talk shows as well. All right. Thank you, Doug. All right. Thank you. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM. Let's take a short break.